0: Hello, my name is Tim Rice. This is Homeschool Psych and Psychology: A Christian Perspective. It's my second podcast Woohoo. The purpose of this podcast is to suggest a way to teach a psychology class from a Christian worldview perspective. The first thing to understand is that psychology and a Christian worldview, are both large and and largely distinct interests. Psychology and a Christian worldview don't overlap a lot. But where they do, it makes a big difference. And for me, understanding how psychology and a Christian worldview overlap and understanding the the implications of the way they overlap is important. It provides a framework for me to teach the class with an emphasis on on worldview issues, an an emphasis on the way my Christian worldview and psychology intersect. As I said, psychology's interests are, are large. Psychology is interested in every mental power, every mental capacity. Everything about your brain and behavior and social interactions and personality and intelligence. That's what psychology is about and you could spend the entire semester digging deep into any one of the topics and you'd barely scratch the surface. And for much of your study, for for much of your study of the science of the topics in psychology, your, your worldview isn't going to come into it in any front and center way. You're always influenced by your worldview, but, but not every topic in psychology is worldview-laden. Likewise, you could spend as much time as you wanted understanding the Christian worldview. The Christian worldview is interested in a number of important issues, important topics, important questions. But, not, but many of those issues, though important, don't really intersect with psychology's content. Theology proper, for example, or, or eschatology, your beliefs about end times. That's part of your Christian worldview, but it doesn't really intersect with any of psychology's content areas. So our our emphasis, our, our interest is in those parts of the Christian worldview that intersect with psychology's content. The parts of the Christian worldview that overlap with psychology's major theories, with its major schools of thought. With respect to the Christian worldview, we're less interested in doctrinal differences between Christians, less interested in the fine points of the Christian worldview. And we're more interested in contrasting those parts of the Christian worldview about which we all agree, contrasting those with the worldviews underlying modern psychology and its, its major theories and schools of thought. So on the one hand much of psychology subject matter doesn't overlap with the Christian worldview. But on the other hand, on some level, each of its major theories, each of its schools of thought, make truth claims about what it means to be human. It makes claims about um, what it means to be me. And these are are, are significant philosophical issues. These are philosophical differences, worldview differences. And those differences revolve around four key issues. Number one is God. Number two, the nature of mankind. Number three, the nature of knowledge. And finally, in my framework, the causes of and cures for mental pain and suffering. The, the nature of suffering. So for example in class we can approach psychology from the perspective that we are the purposeful creation of, of a relational God. Contrast that with the the belief that we are solely the product of natural forces. That we're the product of, of evolution by natural selection. And psychology class is an excellent place to examine the, the truth claims of, of evolutionary naturalism. To examine the implications of Darwinian evolution on what it means to be human. So in your class you can dig as deep as you want into any topic, into the nervous system. but But take time to marvel at at the complexity. Take time to to reflect on that complexity. Ask hard worldview questions. Is it more reasonable to believe that that this is evidence of a designer or is it more reasonable reasonable to believe that that it's the result of evolution by natural selection? we will spend a lot of time talking about evolutionary psychology. When, when I took psychology 30 years ago, psychology got just two mentions in the textbook. Today, evolutionary psychology is said to be the new psychology. It's, it's psychology's main thrust, its scientific consensus. Well Darwin anticipated evolution's impact in 1859 in The Origin of Species. He wrote this, psychology will be based on a new foundation, that of the necessary acquirement of each mental power and capacity by gradation. So in class, as you study each topic, remember that according to Darwin, each activity, each mental capacity, even those things that we think of as our god It's ultimately nothing more than a capacity that we acquired bit by bit over a long period of time through variation and, and natural selection. And, and you can have excellent discussions about Darwinian evolution and how it impacts human psychology. You can ask what what it means, what does evolution mean for my sense of me? what does what evolutionary evolution mean f- to consciousness? What does it mean for our morality, our capacity to make decisions and judgments and and religious experience? What does it mean about for for love, empathy, altruism, hate, greed? dreams, everything that that makes us human. You see, evolution, Darwinian evolution, requires a psychological continuity, an unbroken line of, of mental powers, of mental capacities that extend backwards through our ancestors to our ancient evolutionary ancestors, through to the animals, an unbroken line back into the Pleistocene epoch. Ancestors that did not have the capacities that that we and somehow through through variation and and natural selection we acquired those capacities. I want students to understand that psychology more so than biology is where evolution where the theory of evolution has the most difficulty. I want I want students to understand that evolutionary psychology has no cogent explanations for how we might have acquired our higher capacities, our godlikeness. Nature of man. The second part of the Christian worldview that overlaps with modern psychology has to do with the nature of man. The Christian worldview asserts that that we're, we were created, created in God's image. And that we're fallen. Well what do those things mean? What does it mean to be made in God's image? What does it mean to be like like the dust of the earth? What are the psychological implications of being fallen? These are, are all questions about human nature. The, the Christian worldview answers those questions with with reference to God. But psychology's major theories and, and schools of thought answer it in very different ways. So the class provides a great opportunity to talk about humanism. Are we born blank slates? Are we born noble savages? Do we have some inherent goodness? Or are we born sinners? How do we develop moral our moral sense? Do we learn it? Is it taught? Is it written on our heart? What is the nature of man? And, and social psychology provides wonderful examples, wonderful illustrations that that we can use as we talk about the nature of man. Famous experiments from the history of psychology show that that oftentimes we behave very badly in social situations. That humans, humanity's worst characteristics are evident ask hard worldview questions which worldview best explains how it is that we're sometimes kind and sometimes cruel we can examine how our fallen nature plays out in in other topics in our emotions in our motivations in the way we think, in our social interactions, even the way that we think about ourselves. A Christian worldview intersects with psychology's contents around our nature, whether we have one nature or two natures. A Christian worldview is A dualistic worldview. Recognizing that although we are of the dust of the earth, although we have a body, there is something about us that's more, that's not natural, that's supernatural. Our consciousness, our soul, call it what you will, but psychology class is an excellent opportunity to Talk about whether we're, we're nothing more than very complex machine-like animals or if our, our, our consciousness is evidence of something special, something supernatural about our nature. A third part of the Christian worldview that overlaps psychology's content has to do with science itself. Christians are often said to be anti-science we're not anti-science. Perhaps we're anti-scientism, perhaps anti-naturalist. But in psychology class we have a real opportunity to differentiate between science and philosophy. To understand what good science is. To understand how difficult good science is in psychology. To recognize where science stops and worldviews start. We're not at all anti-science, but students need to come away with a class with a good understanding of what science can tell us and what science can never tell us. And finally, the causes of and cures for mental pain and suffering. Christian worldview and, and, and modern psychology overlap greatly there. And, and it's, it's another excellent opportunity to contrast the Christian worldview that says sin and one's relationship with God is important to mental health and a, a, a worldview that says that sin and one's relationship with God are meaningless concepts. It's easy to make that contrast. It's interesting in the context of your class to talk about the ways that, that Christians disagree about this topic. Christians dif- disagree um, about whether or not um, sin and disunity with God is, is the sole cause of mental pain and suffering or if perhaps chemical imbalances of of the brain or other factors contribute to mental pain and suffering. So thank you for listening. My email is Tim at HomeSchoolPsych.com Follow me please on Twitter Tim at HomeSchoolPsych Like me on Facebook It's Homeschool Psych and Psychology, a Christian Perspective. And I have no sponsors for you to visit. So um, I'll close by saying thank you. And hopefully, real soon, there will be a podcast number three. And you'll be listening to it.